Here's the podcast, Making Wellbeing Work. We look at workplace wellbeing from both angles, that of the organization and that of the individual. We know that mentally healthy organizations believe in inner work and mentally healthy people know that they need to engage to evolve. Inner work is about organizations truly checking in on their people and adapting their company culture as is needed. Engage to Evolve is about individuals realizing that they're in the driver's seat of their own lives and with that, able to decide on how they approach work, their employer and their well-being. It's the workplace's point of connection between the organization and the individual that we'll talk about here and how both parties have a role to play in workplace well-being. So welcome to Making Wellbeing Work. Welcome to another episode of Making Wellbeing Work. I'm your host, Natalie Wood, with my co-host, Susanna Harkonnen. Today, we will be discussing the difference between difficult and toxic bosses, and we will be exploring what is called the dark tetrad of personality traits and how these manifest in the workplace. And of course, we'll then also be giving some guidance on what you can do if you find yourself truly working for a toxic boss. Welcome, Susanna. Nice to have Thank you here, you. as always. Let's please first um, dig a little bit into the difference between an incompetent and a demanding boss, because I would like to oppose that to what is toxic, with toxicity having become a little bit of a buzzword nowadays, I think. So it's very much of a buzzword. It yeah. can mean anything and everything. And it is a very serious word, though, when it is true, right? So we will want to get into that uh, in a moment. But maybe can we speak a little bit about incompetent and demanding bosses before we get into the toxicity? You know, to start with, I mean, being a manager is an incredibly hard job. Anybody who has been a manager, we have both been managers, know that it's a very, very hard job. And you may be promoted you know, as an expert, you have, you're doing your job well and you get promoted to a managerial position. And in surprisingly many companies, you don't get any training for that. Mm-hmm. So you expected to do something that you had not been trained for. And most people are not born leaders, born managers for that matter. It's a skill that you learn and it can be taught. But if you don't learn, then you're pretty much on your own. I think that the large majority of what others consider as incompetent bosses actually fall into this category. They're not necessarily people who want to hurt you or want to do a bad job. Most people want to do a good job. Sometimes you just don't know how. And you're also a product of your own background. You know, I'd I'd agree there really that um, people don't usually get up in the morning thinking of how can I make um, the day really difficult for for my team or my work colleagues or a certain person. Actually, most people get up and, and, and want to do well. And another thing that you said really made me think that it's not easy managing people, especially if you take it seriously. Right. Especially if you realize that that is a role, that that is not just something you do on the side. And unfortunately, in some companies, it's um, it's considered like the only way to the next promotion is then managing people. Whereas, yes, you might not everybody is cut for it. Not yes. everybody wants to be a manager, has the skills and, and the characteristics to be a manager. And you might deserve a promotion but as individual contributor. So you might deserve a promotion in, and more responsibility in, in what you, you do at your best. It doesn't necessarily exactly. have to be leader team. And, you know, leadership has become more challenging. And 
after COVID, some some of the figures are quite staggering. So um, a large, the large majority of leaders feel burned out. Mm-hmm. In some studies, it was up to 90, 96%. This was, of course, during COVID, but like that, those numbers have remained high. And many feel overwhelmed. 61%, they no longer want to lead people. How interesting. It's pretty telling. It, it used to be the thing to do to become a manager, and it was something that people aspire to. And yet the younger generation just doesn't want to be a manager. Or maybe people have realized that it is a real it's a real job it's real really something to do it's it doesn't just happen on the side yeah no exactly it puts a lot of pressure on you it's a lonely position and um and it has become more challenging with everything that's going on in the world and 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 all the demands that are being put on on leaders so having said that this is you know this is a disclaimer i'm i'm pro managers and i i yeah i really think that there's so much that managers can learn to be better in their jobs and be more human. And so that's that's the incompetence piece. But then, you know, when it comes to demanding bosses, it's very subjective. And there, Susanna, I'd really like to pick up on something that you mentioned very briefly earlier on, but that I think is very important. And you mentioned background that we bring into situations or into leadership. Um, how does the background that each and every one of us have, how does that influence our perception of situations the way we handle situations the motivations we bring with us into relationships um yeah can you speak a little bit about the influence of our background well we are products of our culture and mm-hmm. our background our education our family i mean it's it's just we cannot escape that the more self-aware we are the more we we are conscious of our biases but by and large, many of us have tons of unconscious biases as well and interpretations. And as you know from you know your brain studies, our brains are very quick to draw very quick conclusions and see things through a negativity bias and negative lens. So the interpretation can be very quickly wrong interpretations because we get trapped tripped by our our background and our brain. So many of the situations that I see at work where um, a manager is being seen as incompetent or uh, too demanding or micromanager or something, those are actually interpretations of the person of the situation. Of course, there's, there can be some elements of incompetence. I'm not taking that away. Absolutely not. Or they, Some people are very demanding by, by default. And what, what's normal for them, the, the level of what, what they're asking for, 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 for example, from their teams as managers can sometimes go beyond what's normal. But those people are also products of their, cult, their background. Mm-hmm. So one person's demanding is not the other person's demanding. Yeah, I think that's a really important, um, really important message to give. And uh, yeah, as we also know from BrainSense, there's no absolute um, uh, reality, but we all shape and make our own reality and we interpret uh, we facts interpret, in the yes. way that you know makes sense to us which is based on what we have learned in the past yeah and we have many biases these cognitive cognitive distortions as well so you know Mm -hmm. one example is that somebody might have a thinking that's very black and white Mm -hmm. something is either wrong something is right if my boss does makes one mistake he's in always make that mistake he always makes that mistake Mm -hmm. and so it's really really helpful to to take a look at yourself 
and see where am I, why am I interpreting this situation the way I am? Is this the actual reality? What is it that I'm basing it on? And then take a step back. But, you know, it's easier said than done because yes, our biology yes, just takes over. And runs yes, the no, a lot, a lot of self-compassion needed there as well. But as we say in all self-development as well, the first step is awareness. Only then can you start you know, doing anything uh, meaningful. Yeah. And oftentimes it's fascinating how when people work on themselves and they reduce their threat reactions, then they are able to think better and they, they're able to see the situation from a completely different perspective. Mm. Yeah, because the brain is not stuck in. Exactly. So yeah. you, you're in charge. That's the nice part here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you may become aware and do something with what you find out. Let's move, please, into what toxicity then means. What is a toxic boss um, as opposed to demanding and, and, and maybe incompetent as we just covered? There is an unfortunate group of bosses that are truly destructive. And here we are talking about uh, people who may go from the... This spectrum, of course, but you you can go from a spectrum of being just um, very emotionally mature and sort of throwing temper tantrums on your team to actually being part of the dark tetrad. That is uh, a concept in psychology that refers to a group of four personality traits that are considered malevolent and or socially undes undesirable. So there are the Three traits of the what's called the dark triad, which is called narcissism, psychopathy, and Machiavellianism. And in the, the fourth one here is uh, sadism. And the unfortunate reality is that these people are in the workplaces and they often get to leadership positions. Not always, mm -hmm. but often. What I hear there is... Um... First of all, what the dark tetrad is, but that in these personality traits, there is intent of destructive behavior. Am I getting that right? So this is not by mistake doing something that upsets somebody, which might be incompetence, but there's intent. Is, is that right? Is, or is there no conscious intent? To, let, yeah. let me go into these, these terms a little bit more. Because all of these characters, are, they have elements of manipulation, callousness, and focus on self-interest. But it manifests itself in slightly differently. So narcissism is characterized by um, a grandiose sense of self-importance, need for admir admiration, and a lack of empathy for others. In narcissism, there's whole spectrum again. I always put a disclaimer, nothing is black and white. It's really, is this, there's a spectrum. Because we all would like to be liked and um, maybe not admired, but we all like to hear we've done a good job. So there are elements here that are very normal and human. Um, we don't all lack empathy though. So Exactly, exactly. And, and not everybody is a full-blown uh, clinical narcissist. Mm -hmm. Actually, a very small percentage of population is. But there's a spectrum and you can be high on the on the narcissism spectrum. And this is unfortunately increasing, has been increasing for some years now. And social media is just feeding it. It's like putting putting um, fuel on the flames. 
and the way we do, uh, the way we promote people, the way the, the things that we um, value in mm -hmm. organizations also feed these patterns. But narcissism is a much discussed topic at the moment, but it's also sometimes misunderstood. And there are different types of narcissists. We can we can go into that conversation some other time of yeah. all the nuances and differences. But by it's a wide field, you know, it's, it's the self-importance and need for admiration. And when this doesn't happen, they can get pretty nasty. And can I just throw in there, and then how intentional is this nastiness? Or is it actually a fight for survival? There are certain elements of it that are intentional and mm -hmm. certain that, that are not. But by, by and large, um, narcissists know that they are hurting others. Mm -hmm. They just don't care. That's the lack of uh, empathy. Yeah. And the same for the other um, personality traits? Um, actually, psychopathy is, is a little bit more sinister than narcissism. Um, I mean, psychopaths are typically, you know, what we would think of as, as prison population and, and people, serial killers. But there are high-functioning psychopaths who are not violent and, and do, do harm in corporations. So psychopathy is characterized by a lack of remorse or guilt. Mm -hmm. so whereas a narcissist is some on some level is aware of what they are doing, even though mm -hmm. they may not care, but they are mm -hmm. they might even feel some remorse. Psychopaths don't. So they can be cold and calculating and very they're very shallow in, in, in the way they feel. And there's a tendency towards impulsive behavior. So a classic psychopath in an, in a corporation could perhaps be somebody who embezzles all the money or the, the pension funds from somebody mm -hmm. without caring at all because they want the money and, and they don't care about the consequences and they don't care about the people that are being mm -hmm. hurt. Interesting. Yeah, that makes it more, um, more real, I must say, for the population that is not in prisons or that we haven't seen in films. Yeah. Yes, yes. Mm. And then Machiavellianism is, is characteri characterized by um, a manipulative and exploitative approach to relationships. So it's a willingness to deceive others for personal gain and focus on self-interest. So these can overlap. It's not like they're completely clear. Um, mm -hmm. But by and large, you know, the, the three things that characterize all three of them is that these people want to manipulate others, they are callous, and they have, have self-interest. So it's I, me, and myself. In the I guess that's the way. big one, right? That's the big one. It's, uh, it's, about, it's about me. It's about, it's about them, me. yes. Yeah, yeah. yes. Um, you already mentioned that we do find these, and you gave some helpful examples, I think, that we do find these amongst um, the usual population. Um, how prevalent do you think these personality disorders are amongst you know, managers, executives in the workplace. Oh, I say, how? what do you think? Maybe you have a very founded knowledge on this. There is um, some research on the prevalence of personality disorders, um, specifically among CEOs. Um, and it's a, it, it's a debated topic. Okay. You know, we can't say that a certain percentage of all CEOs are, are psychopaths or, or or narcissists because it's also hard to study because this is not something that people wear on their on their on their forehead. You know, this is not like a label. 
you, one, it's it's important to to remember that these people can be very charming, mm-hmm. very charismatic. So it takes time for people around them to see their sinister side. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they are also very good at playing, not even sometimes, they're often very good at playing people against each other. So they may be very nice to one person in their team and very sinister to, to another. And these two persons have a very different reality, ex- experience of the reality of this person. Their realities don't match. So if, if they start speaking with each other, one has a wonderful driven boss and another has a monster. Very interesting. Yeah. But, you know, it never lasts usually around them. So they, sooner or later, everybody around them will get, a, will get a hit. But to give you some numbers, there was a study in, um, in Italy where they said that narcissists had a 29% higher probability of being promoted to, to CEOs than non-narcissists. Wow. That's shocking. That, the that's current shocking. current corporate world feeds narcissism because it has very short attention span. You know, quarterly results. Uh, who looks good? We have actually created it, this monster to it, some degree. It gets ourselves. rewarded. Some of yeah, these we are, we are, are rewarded, rewarded bad behavior, basically. Mm-hmm. So. Maybe let's go a bit further into the impact that these bosses do have on organizations and employees. I think you're just getting into that. There is there anything yeah. more we can say on that? Toxic bosses, whether it's any of these in the dark triad, and by the way, I you know we we didn't discuss sadism. It's that's the one one where they really enjoy inflicting pain on pain. each other, damaging people. Mm-hmm. So if you have a nice mixture of these, you can see why this would be a very very toxic situation in the workplace, and they do have a significant negative impact on the employees. Uh, both in terms of the employee well-being and work performance. So some of the more common effects of toxic bosses, um, you know, is, is definitely increased stress and anxiety. Amongst the, the employees yeah. that yeah. they have to deal with. And what can happen is, is that you have a boss like this and a healthy person first questions themselves, what can I do differently? Is there something I have done? They may start, you know, losing their their sleep, their self confidence, becoming self their self confidence, and then it's a vicious cycle, without realizing that there's actually the behavior of this person is manipulative and callous, and they are playing a game there where this this person is, you know, it's like playing a game with two different rules, without the, the other knowing the rules, without the other knowing. Mm-hmm. So here's the official rule set, and this is we are, you know, we share mm-hmm. things and we, you know, whatever that is in the in, in the workplace. Normally it's let's say transparency and collaboration and communication, mm-hmm. the usual respect. Respect. And these are just words for anybody on the dark tetrad, high on the dark tetrad spectrum. So therefore they may say all the right things, but never follow up. Mm-hmm. It may even go against them, but in such a way that it's hard to detect them. It's hard to track what they're doing. And that's why it has such a huge impact on the mental health and well-being of, of um, anybody who has been in their, in their proximity. And employees, you know, you can be constantly on the edge. You worry about making mistakes. You're unsure how to please the boss. 
This is a very different thing from a demanding boss. A demanding boss is, can put pressure, but it's- You know where you're at. And I think that's where one can understand how this then spreads through the organization. So you have, you have employees that are anxious, that are stressed, automatically they are not going to be able to concentrate and focus as well because mm. simply that's what happens in the brain. So this is going to hit the productivity um, of these employees. So uh, organizations are going to, in some ways, suffer. The organizations always suffer with, with these sorts of things and and because they make employees feel undervalued and unsupported and unappreciated. And, and they also make others, you know, other departments, there's often conflictual situations between departments run mm-hmm. by, by, for example, narcissistic bosses. This is a fascinating topic, actually, because mm-hmm. we can prevent this these people from entering our organization. They often present very well. They are the kind of ideal candidates in interviews. They look good. They're mm-hmm. sleek. They're good communicators. They're mm-hmm. manipulative and so on. Charmers. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to fall under their spell. Mm-hmm. If organizations did a little bit of a better job in vetting out the candidates, because there are there are means to do that. I guess you ask for references and you speak to their team members from previous jobs, for example. Right? There are there are tests that you can run. There are mm-hmm. observations that you can do during the recruitment process. You can get the references. You can speak to team members, and it, it's helpful to speak to to multiple people. Um, there's a good article in Psychology Today that we can link in the in the notes, in the notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, on this how, on how to prevent toxic people from entering the organization. And I would really invite more organizations to take a look at this because once when you have an org- person like this inside your organization, they are inevitably going to create problems and wreak havoc. Mm-hmm. Inevitably. Because they continue the way to work that they know that has yeah. brought them yeah. that far. Yeah. yeah, and the cost is high. And the other thing here is that these are these are personality disorders which cannot be cured. You cannot go to, you know, therapy will not be helpful. It's not mm-hmm. something that changes because it's in it's part of who they are. So you can maybe learn some things, but oftentimes, you know, therapy can even be counterproductive because then they just learn to be more manipul- manipulative and hide it better if they're really smart. So therefore, you know, this is, there's no hope in changing these people. So it's, prevention is much better than uh, trying to correct the course when, when things have already happened. Uh, that's a bit of a, a um, dark awakening, I suppose, when you notice that you've got that in your organization and to deal with. I, I would like to nonetheless ask you if these terms um, of narcissism, I feel like I hear this all over the place, narcissism, toxicity, I mentioned earlier on buzzwords. Are we using these words too loosely uh, in you know, the day-to-day language? That's a really good question. I would say yes and no. And let me explain. For a long time, we did not discuss these things at all. Narcissism Mm -hmm. is a relatively new introduction into the therapy world, into Mm -hmm. psychologist world. We are speaking, you know, of uh, something that has entered into the vocabulary during the past five to 10 years. It is important to talk about it. Because when you have been a victim of a narcissist, and there are many out there, it's terrible. It has an impact on every single level of of your being. So it's important to to mention it. To create awareness in a way. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and it's important mm -hmm. to have real information about narcissism, not some influencer TikTok type of narcissism, but really mm -hmm. what it is and what kind of damage it does and how do you heal from that damage. Mm -hmm. Those are the, the really, really important things. I think that there are wonderful resources out there. And again, let's link those in the show notes where real psychologists who have been trained in this area are able to coach and guide people in the, in the right direction. Okay, so to spot them, you say, to identify. It's, okay. if, you have, if you suspect that you have been a victim of a narcissist or a psychopath or a Machiavellian, if you've been a victim of a sadist, you probably know that because they really enjoy hurt. pain, hurt. But if you suspect that, then there are multiple resources that you can do and, and you, can, you can look for that can help you in understanding better what it is and what you can do. And, and then go for those resources that have clinical information in them, not mm -hmm. just influencers. Mm -hmm. And so this here, this is where we come into this. We hear a lot about narcissism and toxicity and so on. There are lots of people who talk about these things without knowing what they're saying. Mm -hmm. A bit like we say, um, oh, I feel depressed and we're nowhere near. And nobody, but nobody expects us to be near clinically depressed. It's in exactly. our language, right? We say... But with narcissism and psychopathy being such new terms in the everyday vocabulary, we have to be a bit more careful there. Still, we have right? to be very careful and go back to this interpretation. Not yeah. everybody who's you know unpleasant and demanding mm -hmm. or self-centered is a psychopath or narcissist or any any of these things. Yeah. So I would just say that whenever it comes to information, check the source and make sure that it comes from a from a valid person who actually has been trained in the field and then if you do find that um, you are or have been subject to uh, somebody with such personality traits what what can you what can you actually do if you have a truly toxic boss for example the unfortunate part about them like, like i just said is that you can't change them they will not change Mm -hmm. You can go to mediation, you can go to conflict resolution, you can do all the kinds of things with them. They will not change. And usually they will retaliate if you try mm -hmm. and they will be very nasty. So, so what do you do? There are situations, yes, where you cannot leave your job, for example. Because that would be an obvious answer, right? If, you're, if you find yourself in such a really toxic work situation, change jobs. Right? Change but jobs, not always change so departments. You know, often changing, if you're in a big organization, changing the department is, is the answer. Um, but if you, if you cannot leave, then understanding is power. Helpful already. Yeah. It's very, very helpful because when you understand the patterns, they are often very predictable. And therefore, it's easier to take a distance. And working on yourself of saying, like, what, what, where is this impacting me? How can I prevent myself from being impacted? Truly educate, ed educating yourself. And again, we go back into self-awareness. There's nothing like self-awareness. Knowledge is power mm -hmm. in this sense. Go also going back to taking care of yourself and to putting as much distance between that person and yourself, flying under their radar as much as possible. You may not be able to completely uh, mitigate the, the situation and the, and the terrible risks that you, you have. However, if you if you take a step back and you don't have that emotional hook in you, they have it diminishes, diminishes their power. Because you stop asking yourself also what's wrong with me, because you know it's not wrong with you. 
exactly it's actually simply that you have to create that distancing exactly. and, easier um, said than done but it's absolutely possible and there are multiple resources out there in in youtube and online that help people with overcoming this one thing that i see is that people get stuck in this victimhood if you've been mm -hmm. if you had a narcissistic boss it's very traumatic and it you know it can it's almost like if you have a ptsd the post traumatic mm -hmm. stress mm -hmm. which you might actually have right yes oh, you 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 have a trauma and so it keeps repeating and sometimes it takes years for people to overcome this. So if this really is the case, seek help, mm -hmm. seek actual counseling, seek, uh, seek, seek help, clinical help, so, professional clinical help so that you can, you can speak about the topic with somebody who knows what, what this is and who can explain you and who can help you overcome it so that you don't have to live years with the consequences of this kind of a boss. Because long-term effects of such exposure would be what would probably be mental health issues is that is that right could be mental health issues permanent mm -hmm. permanent anxiety threat reactions flashbacks um sleeping problems so a multitude of issues um you know loss of self-esteem depends much on the person but these are some that that are examples and and just understanding that why did for example if you're a good person and somebody you know, you do a job well, you're honest, you're, you're kind, you're caring. You're a wonderful target for these people. So you're a good person. You're not supposed to have these experiences mm -hmm. in your mind. Unfortunately, life doesn't work that way. Bad stuff happens to good people for no reason. Life is very unpredictable. And, and there are these moments when you may, you may be in a situation that's completely unfair and hyper, you know, negative for you. And, and there's no reason for that. So seeking for that reason may just keep you in that loop, trying to understand. When you understand what narcissism is or, or the, any of these, any of these uh, personality traits, then it's much easier to get out of the loop. So what I hear there is awareness. So if you have a truly toxic situation, awareness, understand it well, so that you can distance yourself from it and seek whatever help it is that you need and yes do not shy back from um, professional clinical support as well is that right yes Susanna thank you for this uh, trip into a bit of a darker area that I think is very important not only because it's becoming buzzwords but because it's becoming a reality that we are starting to manage maybe maybe we can turn it into you know us managing it um better i hope future. so that in the future when more people know about it organizations will be able to stop recruiting so many people like mm -hmm. that and, and encouraging that behavior and also not encouraging the behavior exactly so thank you uh, thanks to our listeners for listening to this episode of making well-being work we hope that this has helped creating an understanding of what workplace toxicity really means and how you can protect yourself and um, how you can get out of a situation where you have a truly toxic boss. Always bear in mind that you, as we all, bring personal background into our work relationships and into how these situations are perceived. And not every difficult situation with a manager means that those managers are indeed toxic. So awareness and perspective are really needed when you assess work relationships. 
And for managers, I think it's good to remember that, as the saying goes, employees rarely leave their organizations. Most of the time, they leave their managers. You will find, again, references in the notes. And as always, we welcome your feedback and any questions. Speak to you, hear you soon again. Thank you for listening to Making Wellbeing Work. If you find our podcast insightful, please share or leave us a review on any of the usual podcast platforms. If you'd like to learn more, have any questions or comments, please reach out to us via our LinkedIn pages or our respective websites. All links are in the show notes. And we hope to have you on again next time.